Self-Help for Robots. I'm your host, CJ Pitchford, and this is episode 33, Double Trouble. Because one, the last episode reused a title for the second time, and two, because I will try to answer the question, what is Cogsworth? Gasp! I know, right? Both episodes were titled Something New, where last week I played a new theme for the podcast. Uh, That's not earth-shattering news, but it's still new, and well, now it's not as new, strictly speaking, but it still qualifies for now, although new episodes of Self-Help for Robots have been appearing only occasionally. It had only been two episodes since the same title had been used back in episode 30. Way back then, the something new that was announced was Cogsworth, at that time a concept in development. And in the last episode, I mentioned that Cogsworth is now available in a demonstration form via Apple's test flight program, where beta software can be evaluated for a limited time. The original Something New back at episode 30 was a book about Cogsworth that I have written, and and I titled it The Programmer's Guide to Emotions. I still think Cogsworth will be fully revealed to the world someday in a book, a a different one, a a new one I have yet to write. Uh, I do have a title in mind, Conversations with Cogsworth, but that project will have to wait a little while. So while I am in double trouble for using an episode titled twice, I really want to take this opportunity to answer the question, what is Cogsworth? And and now you can guess why there's double trouble involved. tell you what Cogsworth is, I have to answer that that in two parts. Kind of like trying to explain the difference between the word feelings and the words emotions, when they could be used interchangeably. But to Cogsworth, they're a distinction with a difference. Cogsworth is also two different things at the same time. It's both an idea and an application. It might be easier to start by telling you about the application first, since about 2013, software patents require a processor, or an embodiment as they are called, in the description regarding some sort of hardware. It's all a bit vague, but stay with me here. As recently as 2016, when I was training models on Vision during my downtime at Comcast, I had to use multiple containers and servers moving complex code back and forth, but it worked. I was able to train a system on vision recognition, but my boss had more pressing needs, and so the project was shelved. The trick to machine learning, the prevalent concept in artificial intelligence today, is that personal computing devices are fast enough to crunch the numbers in a so-called neural net, and since the regressors simply reflect the biases of the training data, outcomes can be tilted in the approximate direction as needed. 
and Cogsworth runs on my iPhone. And thanks to CoreML, natural language processing takes place on a five-year-old device. That is, Cogsworth can understand the semantics underlying truth statements. It doesn't understand poetry or song lyrics yet, but there are patents on software differentiating the statement flying to New York as practically involving reservations and boarding passes versus flying to Never Neverland as only needing to think of a happy little thought and, and an impractical basis for flight, but actually the ability to, well, what I call cheat and train the machine learning models in the directions they need to follow was made possible in the text classifier within the Create ML framework from Apple. I didn't need sophisticated setups involving Kubernetes clusters or Docker containers. Instead of writing my pre-processing code in Python, I could write the code in Swift using Xcode. Now I have to credit Apple software in helping me make my dream come true. That is, I had a dream that I would be thought of as more than just a series of ones and zeros by my computer, just as I would want to be thought of as more than just a one or a zero by my children. But that's a different story. My dream started coming to life in a sketch while I worked on improving my emotional vocabulary and counseling, which is where now I pursued my dream in reality. But back to Cogsworth. See, Cogsworth is able to evaluate a truth statement for its emotional content. For demonstration purposes, a user speaks or types an input in Cogsworth. The application speaks to the user, stating what kind of emotion is represented. And that's the application I call Cogsworth. Part of the double trouble of this episode, where irrational emotions are objectively and routinely evaluated, um, or and even rationally evaluated. Does that sound like trouble to you? Because it wasn't any trouble coming up with the idea behind Cogsworth any trouble at all. You know, I know that emotions are complex and can get really complicated really quickly. Slowing things down, simplifying what can be simplified will help us over the next few minutes talk about something both intimate and mysterious. What are feelings? When I was working on myself in cognitive behavioral therapy and related counseling, I found that feelings are Quote, systems and methods for discerning emotions from textual data, close quote, or the stories we tell ourselves, that uh, they result in feeling emotions. Okay, so what's an emotion? I recognize the verbal or textual expression of an emotion by its name, but I shouldn't confuse the signifier for what is signified. The question wasn't answered in the available literature. Are emotions uniquely indelible and individually discrete, or are they somehow related? Now, it should be obvious that emotions are related as they are relatable. It's just that they resist objectification and quantification. I tell you the name of emotion that you had never heard of, I can simply point to someone expressing themselves in that manner and you would discern what that meant either visually or by description. And there are software patents that cover recognizing emotions from a person's facial expressions or even vocal inflections. But what about the core concept of emotions as being relatable? It turns out that many people have been working on clustering emotions. Visually, related emotions can be grouped as if on a color wheel, but a color 
color wheel isn't just an arbitrary collection of colors arranged haphazardly according to taste and whim. Can you guess my emotional reactions to the attempts at classifying emotions that I found? I was appalled. There was a model that looked promising, as it had three dimensions and was called the Pleasure Arousal Dominance Model. But there was something definitely kinky going on. For one, it was first created as a model for primate behavior, not emotion, and while the model is still in use, having switched, in some instances, dominance for its apparent opposite receptivity, but the model was not correlative with surveyed respondents stating that they felt differently than what was implied. That is, that the uh, measurements of that model didn't match what the surveyed respondents thought that they were actually feeling. So my real reaction um, was, well, of disgust when I uh, felt, uh, when I saw that the ontological foundation of emotions had been ignored. A feeling requires someone or something to feel the emotion, and you can't have some abstract platonic concept of happy or sad. You can't abstract and correlate and connect feelings like ecstasy as extreme happiness or despondency as extreme sadness, perhaps. Even if the terms vary and even if we disagree on the exact degree of difference, we can see a spectrum of similarities, but I had to look beyond a mere spectrum of emotions. In one graphic demonstration, a color wheel of emotions was extruded into the 3D form of a dreidel. That would have been an interesting game. The names of feelings were mapped to different sides of the toy, but not with regards to any underlying pattern. As I studied, I started to sketch the indelible components of emotions and found the underlying ontological universality lacking in their literature right there in front of me. As an example, take the simplest emotion, I am okay, or the apparent opposite, I am not okay, and ask what do they have in common? Okay in itself is a weasel word, overused and hardly filled with meaning, but it can be negated, and what little meaning? the word has would definitely be different when negated or denied, and if okay and not okay are opposable, what else is there in that emotional statement that I can consider to be independent? Now the first word in the statement, I, covers myself, as opposed to everything that is not me or everything else. What about that verb? If I was okay or not okay in the past, that is definitely a statement that can be opposed by whether I will be okay or not in the future. Of course, I was only sketching in two dimensions, but I had three dimensions staked out on the page. First, up and down in the sketch represented okay and not okay, respectively. Second, left to right was myself on one hand and someone else, some other person, on the other hand. And finally, projected from the past and into the future was an imaginary third dimension. And in a simple orthographic projection, I started mapping out the feelings and the underlying properties that define them. I had created an orthographic model of emotions that had three dimensions replacing the ill-considered but clearly related pleasure, arousal, and dominance. 
with the dimensions of feeling and emotion through objectively independent and universal parameters of gain, domain, and event, the feeling I am okay reflects component properties of a positive gain represented by okay, experienced within the domain of myself represented textually by the word I, during a current event by the first person conjugation of the verb to be. <laughs> and that is the second part of the question, what is Cogsworth? As I trained the core ML text classifier using the CreateML framework to generate the appropriate ML model, I didn't build the a priori generators or a fortiori filters that Cogsworth will eventually need as a concept to go beyond statistically guessing what emotion is represented by which dimensions. Now Cogsworth is just the first step towards a artificial emotional intelligence. And in the meantime, I say, well, <laughs> keep helping yourself. podcast and for more information check out selfhelpforobots.com